Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Good afternoon and welcome into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. White Sox fans, sign up for Sox Fest 2018 right now to receive a Hawk Harrelson talking bobblehead. The exclusive giveaway item is only available through Sox Fest hotel packages. Join us January 26th through January 28th for a weekend of White Sox baseball you won't want to miss. Hotel packages are available now. WhiteSox.com slash SoxFest. Good afternoon to you. I'm Connor McKnight. We've got you for the next hour or so, and I think we'll be able to find a thing or two to talk about. Uh, In fact, I know we will. Clearly and obviously, the biggest thing going around, perhaps all of the winter meetings right now, or in the last couple of days of the winter meetings, and the biggest thing orbiting the White Sox right now are the rumors concerning the Sox and Orioles third baseman Manny Machado. We're going to get into that in depth with Scott Merkin of MLB.com. He was in Orlando covering the winter meetings and had a number of conversations with White Sox GM Rick Hahn about it. We'll use Scott to bring you the latest there. But real quickly, just a couple of things about today's show before we get to that interview. And we're going to break real quick. Uh, to get to Scott Merkin. We're going to move around the order of our review preview series. Since there's so much stuff from the winter meetings, we're going to take right field, which itself is a pretty long piece, move that to a later week. We'll deal with the bullpen later on in the show. And since there are likely going to be additions, we'll retouch the bullpen later on this offseason too. Uh, small piece of news, uh, actually nothing small about it, three new ambassadors for the White Sox named over the week. Uh, it'll be Tim Raines, it'll be Jose Contreras, and it will be A.J. Przinski added to the ranks of White Sox ambassador, which is super cool indeed. Hope to talk to each one of those gentlemen at their new role on the show in the coming weeks. But before we go to break and head into the depth of the Manny Machado conversation with Scott Merkin of MLB.com, I wanted to bring to your attention, in case you missed it, some really good work by NBC Sports Chicago, formerly Comcast Sportsnet. Uh, You'll remember that we talked with Ryan McGuffey late in the season last year. NBC Sports and Ryan had been going through the White Sox minor leaguers and interviewing a good number of them. Carson Fulmer and Tyler Danish had a chat at a restaurant. Zach Collins was in his car having a conversation with NBC Sports. And, you know, we talked with Ryan about what it was like to make those, what it was like to get those prospects, those young ball players in front of a camera for what might have been the first time for some of them, first extended time for sure. It just so happened, and Ryan mentioned this when we talked to him on the show a couple of months ago, that they had lined up a trip to go see Michael Kopech and just essentially take part in, well, not take part in, but watch his workout. Taking part in his workout might have killed poor Ryan McGuffey. Uh, They were just going to watch and see what it was. It just so happens that they were with Kopech while the bulk of the Manny Machado rumors popped up. So they asked Michael what it was like to essentially wake up to these rumors, to be perhaps a part of it. Now, it turns out that it doesn't seem he's involved in, and we'll talk with Merck about this a little bit more, it doesn't seem like Kopech's involved in these. And this is all just hypothetical speculation stuff, spur of the moment, shoot from the hip kind of emotion. But you don't get that often from any ball players, much less one of the biggest prospects in your organization. So I thought it'd be cool, in case you haven't heard it, to take a listen here. At this point, and there's two little pieces, at this point, they've got Kopech in his truck 
driving uh, somewhere to a workout or something, and this is kind of his first bit of off-the-cuff reaction. I think just trade rumors in general get, you know, a true fan base that follows the farm gets everybody kind of riled up. So especially with the rumors like last night, you know, a big arm in the system for, you know, somebody like Machado who's going to be a it was already a superstar. It's just it makes everybody kind of freak out. So, yeah, my phone was going crazy. I kind of woke up and thought I'd already gotten traded, honestly. Did it take you back to last year and all? Yeah, a little bit. I was, I don't, like, I don't want to sound like, you know, whatever, but I, I woke up and I was honestly a little bit mad. I was like, it's only been a year. <laughs> but, no, it was, I mean, it was whatever, but it, that's shocking to wake up to. The second little piece here is they've gotten back to a studio and sat down again and kind of revisited it some. You can tell that Michael has had some time to regather his his thoughts a bit, uh, but they circled back on just the idea of perhaps what if he'd been moved for a guy like Manny Machado. I like to think that the White Sox really like me at least. Uh, I guess I couldn't blame them for wanting a guy like Machado more than me. I don't know, honestly. I, I wouldn't know what to think about it. You know, I... I was in a trade for a big name last year, and I, that felt extremely, you know, I was extremely honored to be even mentioned in that trade. So the fact that that went through, I was a little overwhelmed with, but I, it was exciting because a guy like Chris L, you know, if it happened again with a guy like Machado, I don't think I could really be upset again. It'd be a little annoying to bounce around that much, but I don't think I could really be upset about it. So again, just cool opportunity to get inside of a player's head like that. Michael seems a pretty honest and forthright guy, and you had a really cool chance to to see into that brain for just a quick moment. Speaking of, in one more quick moment, we'll be back with Scott Merkin of MLB.com and addressed all the rumors flying around at the end of the winter meetings. You know what we're talking about, little Manny Machado discussion coming up next. But before we get to break, Sox fans, it's never too early to lock in a 2018 ticket package Full and partial ticket plans are available, including a lower-level 10-game plan starting at $230. Take advantage of great benefits like discounted pricing and flexible payment plans. For more information, call 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. Scott Merkin joins us after the break. You've got WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. You can give the gift of White Sox baseball this holiday season. White Sox holiday packs include ticket vouchers redeemable for 66 great games in 2018 and start at just $29. Each order is shipped with a decorative card. Vouchers do not need to be redeemed at the same time and can be and can be spread across multiple games. Visit whitesox.com slash holiday packs for more information or to order yours today. We promised you before we headed to break that we would talk to somebody who was at the winter meetings and in the know on all of this Manny Machado rumor stuff. We do not disappoint. And we are joined by MLB.com's Scott Merkin, who covers the White Sox and covers them well. Merk, thanks so much for coming on the show. Haven't haven't talked to you in a while. Happy Hanukkah to you, my man. Thank you, and happy holidays to you. Uh, Merry Christmas ahead, and uh, a happy and healthy new year in 2018. Yeah, those are, those are I think, pretty good sentiments all around for all of our listeners and go. for the White Sox, too. And 
I, I want to take you back through your own Twitter feed, Merck, if I can, to the very beginning. Wow, this is, this is kind of this was my week. Scott it really Merkin. is. Yep, like a holiday edition of this is your week, Scott Merkin. Your <laughs> first headline as you went into the winter meetings on MLB.com included the words, won't stray from plan for the White Sox and pressure free for the White Sox. Obviously, We've had a lot of rumor to digest with Manny Machado being thrown out there, conversations, backs and forths, a lot of reporting from a lot of different people and places. Do you think, though, that those two phrases still apply to the White Sox despite the frenzy we've seen? Well, I think pressure-free for sure still applies because, well, I think they both apply, but I'll explain them separate. Pressure-free because, you know, even if, you know, they acquire Manny Machado in some sort of trade, which I I don't know if that's going to happen one way or the other, I would still say unlikely, but if they do, there's no more pressure on them this year than there was before this year. You know, they won't, they haven't, uh, they've done a consistent job of not putting a timetable on this. You know, Rick Hahn has never said, okay, we're going to, you know, build in seven in 16 and I'm sorry, 17 and 18, and then try to get a wild card in 19 and then go for the world series in 2020. They haven't talked that way, but if they would behind the scenes tell you, you know, this year was designed as another year for patience, development, and losing. You know, I mean, they. I, I think they targeted in their workroom and their three-year plan two top five draft picks back-to-back. They have one this year at number four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, if they did well this year, they aren't going to throw it back and say, you know, oh, we weren't supposed to be this. Of course they're going to, you know, continue on. But I think in the master plan that was set up, probably even before the 2000 and uh, before last off season, I'm getting mixed up on years here now. What are we? 2017. So before the 2016 off season, right, right, right. You know, they, they had in their plan, probably, you know, two high status in the draft. So still no pressure. That's still their plan. And I, I don't think they're deviating from their plan because they are not going to trade anyone. As Rick said to Rob Peter and pay Paul at the last day of the winter meetings, they're not going to give up. They're not going to give up top prospects to get Manny Machado for what most likely would be one year as the only thing that you can count on. You know, maybe he does sign a free agent deal if that's what they go after after this year. I don't know if a guy who has worked towards free agency is suddenly going to sign a contract in season and not explore that free agency. That doesn't seem to happen an awful lot in baseball. If you take an example of the White Sox in the past, now granted he had a really poor year during his free agent year, but Jeff Samarja, you know, there was all the talk about, Jeff Samarja was coming home. He was from Indiana. He played football in Notre Dame. He was a big Sox fan growing up. He had met Ron Kittle when he was young. And he, you know, went to free agency. Now, by the time the end of the year came, I think they were both sides were ready to part at that point. But, you know, there was no in-season signing there because this is what the players work for. I, I kind of get that. You know, that they, they want to test the waters. And they may end up going, you know, to the Sox. But I don't think the plan is deep. I know the plan is not deep. I shouldn't say I don't think. It is not changing. It just could be a little wrinkle. And as Rick Hahn has said, being opportunistic, you know, taking advantage of the situation when the situation calls for it. So let's take it, talk with Scott Merkin here of MLB.com on White Sox Weekly. Let's take it on its, uh, in the hypothetical, I suppose. Why, I think some White Sox fans might be having some trouble processing why the rumors are out there and why, if the White Sox indeed have had have made the offer that they've made, why they're doing it for a guy like Manny Machado, who is one season from free agency. How how does it make sense if indeed uh, the White Sox do put the gas pedal down here after as we approach the holidays or even after? Well, first of all, we don't know what the offer is. That That's something that I haven't been able to find out exactly, 
you know, through, through the machinations of this whole week, you know, I know they've talked, I know there was trade talks involved. I, I'm almost, I, I know that, you know, players such as Michael Kopech, Eloy Jimenez, you know, i those, they are not involved in these trade talks. The story was that Baltimore wanted two major league ready pitchers. So that would be what someone from the group of, I, I guess, Carson Fulmer, if you're using the Sox as an example, Lucas Giolito, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, and Michael Kopech. Maybe you could even throw in Alec Hansen, who's you know a couple years away, but not too far off from being major league ready, or so it appears. Sure. But you know they're they're not gonna they they know what it takes to win a World Series, and you have to have the pitching. It, you know, hey, they they set something in 2005 that's never going to be done again. Hey, excuse me, four straight complete games in the playoffs, and what, two outs short of a fifth straight complete game. And now with the right. proliferation of bullpen usage and the money going to middle relievers and setup guys, no way that'll happen again. So they understand what pitching means. They're they're not going to do that. But, you know, Rick Hahn has been consistent over his time. He doesn't talk about rumors. He wouldn't even acknowledge if he had talked to the Orioles or if he had made an official offer to the Orioles. But this could be seen as, you know, possibly taking a chance where a, 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 a certainly elite player, a generational type player, you bring him in, Maybe he enjoys – maybe, you know, he was in your plans to go after next offseason when free agent came. You give him a year to kind of find out about the White Sox culture and then kind of go from there. And this also has a, a dual effect that if he comes in, it's a guy who's been to the playoffs, an all-star, a guy who knows about winning, that can be kind of another guy to teach the young players about that aspect. You know, we've talked about this before, Connor, and that I, there's such great analytical information out there with, you know, our own stat cast that we – MLB.com stat cast and, just every piece analytical, analytical information, but there are intangibles that still matter. And I think the process of having these young kids develop together and learn how to win together is also important. So I see how he would fit in with that said, you certainly don't want to take any kind of risk, calculate a risk. Yes, but not a risk that you can't be sure of and give away something valuable to the rebuild that you've so painstakingly constructed mm-hmm. and done such a good job following the plan to date. So the risk, obviously, Mark, is clear. The fact that Machado could leave after next season, after the 2018 season, via free agency, if you did trade for him, if the White Sox or anybody else traded for him. And to that point, it seems as though the Orioles, at least via reports, it sounds like the O's aren't willing to let any team that's perhaps talking to him about trading for Manny Machado open any kind of negotiating window to perhaps, you know, work a sign and trade where... Machado goes over to this new team with a long-term extension already in hand, one that would, you know, kind of meet out the expectancy of free agency, kind of mitigate some risk, and get the Orioles, theoretically speaking, a little better prospects in return because trading for a one-season rental isn't quite the same as trading for a guy that you've got for seven years. Can you can you help us with, with why in, in your talks with, with your people, with your sources, how how is it that that's not something Baltimore's willing to do, whether it's with the White Sox or anybody, if they're going to trade Machado. Well, let's go to the flip side of that, though, Connor. I mean, and one of the other reporters in our company brought this up to me the other day when we were talking. Why would Machado do that? Sure. You know, I mean, he's worked hard to get to this free agent point. And, yeah, he knows Chicago. He knows the White Sox. He plays against them, what, one series a year in Chicago, right? They usually mm-hmm. have two series against against Baltimore, so one here, one there. Why would you, unless you got something that was just, you know, exactly what you pinpointed or maybe even a little more, why would you, before even playing a second there as part of their organization, as part of their team and find out what it's all about, why would you consent to negotiating, you know, a multi-year deal? So I guess I kind of understand that point. I mean, I think it's on his end too. I, I, you know, certainly would benefit a team to be able to do that. 
But as a player, and maybe, and maybe you have a different view of this, but as a player who has targeted free agency, you know, where he can explore the options and see what he can get and see the best fit. And I guess you're doing that in free agency. I guess, so I guess that kind of, I kind of answer my own argument, but at least you have like kind of the whole process to go through there. Yeah. Here you'd have what, three days, 72 hours to decide yeah, this is the team I want to play for for the next seven years or whatever amount of money it is. No, I, I agree with that, I, I guess, from a from an extension standpoint. I, and really, it's kind of like the Giancarlo Stanton stuff to begin with. The guy had a no-trade clause, and every GM in right. baseball knew that he had a no-trade clause. He had earned that through his play, more or less. I didn't exactly. see anything wrong with him exercising that and trying to force hands and, and trying to get where he wanted to go. That's what the darn thing is for in the first place. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know the whole individual components of that, but it seems like that if on his no trade list was the Giants and were the Giants and the Cardinals, and the Marlins worked out deals with both those teams, which it appears happened, mm-hmm. and he turned them down, well, then you know who's at wrong, who's wrong there? You know, I mean, unless we don't know along the way, Stanton said maybe I will go to those teams or something like that. But sure. I mean, if they're on his list, they had to know there was a chance he would say no, I'm not going to go play there. You know. And you were talking about the risk for the White Sox. I think here's the big, the scenario that, that's the, – the two scenarios that's the biggest risk. Let's say they trade for Manny Machado. The risk is you give up something of value because I don't think you're going to be able to get him for, you know, 50 cents on the dollar, even no. if he only has one year remaining with Baltimore before he becomes a free agent. You, you, you get him for the year. He plays well for you. He has a good year. He enjoys himself but still wants to go to free agency and for some reason does not come back to the White Sox. Well, now you're out the prospects. Or you flip it. He comes here, you know, your your season is, you know, more what a plan, developmental, you're not going to win. So you decide, you're Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, you decide in July we're going to trade him. Maybe you don't get the prospects you gave up in the first place. So there is the risk. I mean, the benefit is he comes here, he helps the organization, he loves it and decides, you know, to sign an extended deal if that's the direction the White Sox want to go. So there's there's all sorts of kind of moving parts on a deal that very well may not happen with any team, let alone with the White Sox still. In your expert opinion, then, Mark, because we got a lot of other things on this winter meeting checklist to get to, so I guess to sum all the Machado stuff up, could it still happen? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you know, it's also up to the owner there, Peter Peter Angelos, if yeah. he wants, you know, gauging the reaction. I, I talk to some people who know the Baltimore market a little better than I do, and which is not tough to do. I don't know the Baltimore market very well at all, but they, he said they get the feeling that, you know, Baltimore fans are kind of understanding he's going to leave. So I guess it would be what they get in return. You know, I, I don't yeah. think it would be a very happy fan base if he didn't get much in return if they traded Manny Machado. So I think it can still happen. Will it happen to the White Sox? I'd say it's, you know, below 50% at this point that, you know, even a 50-50 proposition that it's going to happen. Because as Rick Hahn, you know, he would not say a minute, not give a second, I should say, about whether they talk to the Orioles, Manny Machado. That was not talked about his last session Thursday morning in his hotel suite at the good old Swan and Dolphin Resort in Disney World there. But he would not stray from the point that everything they're doing is to set them up for sustained success in the future. They're not trying to sneak in this year on what could be, again, not a great American league like it was last year and get that second wild card and say, hey, we made the playoffs. We were eliminated in one game, but we made the playoffs. That's not his goal. You know, I, I think, you know, again, they won't admit to this on the record because no one says we want to lose, but they would rather lose this year still develop next year, and then in 2020 start a run, you know, that Houston's done, that the Cubs have done, that the Royals did for a few years at the end of a rebuild, where every year, you may not win it every year, but every year you have a legitimate shot to be in that World Series talk. Merck, tell you what, let's take a quick break here. We'll put the kibosh on the Manny Machado conversation. There's still a couple of things i got to ask you 
about the uh, other parts of the winter meetings as they pertain to the White Sox. We'll do that after the news. White Sox games, though, are better with a group. Group events are perfect for clients, employees, celebrating or fundraising. Bring your group of 10 or more for a great experience with specially priced tickets. It's never too early to start planning 2018. For more information, call 312-674-6330 or visit WhiteSox.com. More of a Scott Market of MLB.com after the news. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. We just had our quick break for news. We've got our own newsmaker, Scott Merkin of MLB.com on the line, kind enough to hold with us. Uh, If you're looking for just the right gift for that young ball player in your life, the Bulls Sox Youth Academy is hosting holiday baseball and basketball camps for boys and girls ages 5 to 14. Combination sport camps are available in multiple locations. Come join the fun this holiday season. Call 630-PLAY-BALL or visit BullsSoxAcademy.com for more information. Now, we put a bow on most of the Manny Machado talk and all the rumors involved between the Orioles and the White Sox and a couple other teams for the star third baseman. But there were a couple other boxes that we were looking to get checked, perhaps, during the winter meetings. And so far, still waiting for that to happen from the White Sox. Really, three different things. We started the winter meetings, Mark, with some conversations about Jose Abreu possibly going to the Red Sox. There are now a few reports that the Blue Jays have kicked the tires on Avi Garcia. That's one of my favorite off-season phrases, by the way, the old kicking right. of the tires. Uh, where are, are those kind of discussions at, those kind of conversations at? And I suppose I'll throw a third at you because I'm an English major and things come in threes. We we thought maybe there'd be a veteran arm added by the White Sox, maybe not necessarily during the winter meetings, but somebody to fill in the rotation. Rick Hahn said that Carson Fulmer is, as things are plotted out now, going to be in the rotation in 2018. Uh, where are those three things at? If you just kind of shoot each one of them for us. Well, you know, I think I had heard at the beginning of the winter meetings that there was some interest from the Giants also in Avi Garcia. Now, interest might basically just be, like you said, kicking the tires and checking in. I think Jose Abreu, unless it's sort of a, of the similar nature of Jose Quintana. Cause I think Chris Sale, there was a decision that it was time for to move him, time for him to move to a contender, time to start the rebuild by moving him. So that's a different story, even though he's one of the best pitchers in the game. Mm-hmm. Quintana, I think, you know, they didn't really want to move, but because of the contractual control, again, because of the person he was, same with Chris Sale, of course, personality-wise. But, you know, they, they got an offer that really made sense. And I think that's the only way Jose Abreu moves. And not even because he's a great mentor and a great leader and everything else, but because they're just not going to give away a guy who's that valuable on and off the field unless the deal is right. So that that would be Abreu and probably Garcia in the same sense, too. And in terms of the arms, you know, Fulmer, I think we all kind of had figured in there, what would it be Fulmer, Shields, assuming no trades, Giolito and Lopez, and then whenever Carlos Rodon comes back, which uh, both Rick Hahn and Carlos Rodon's representative, Scott Boris, said he's doing great and coming along well in the rehab. But, again, they don't know anything until he starts throwing in spring training. Right. So they still need at least one more veteran arm, if not two. I guess a guy who could probably rotate between, like, middle relief, long relief, and the starting rotation because – you really don't want to, in a first full season in the majors for Lopez and Giolito, you don't want to tax their arms too much in that first year. I don't think they're going to go 220, you know, innings-wise in the first year. Same with Carson Fulmer, for that matter. So some, there's still some work to be done. It was a slow development winter meetings, no question about it. And I think the tier the White Sox are looking at right now, as Rick Hahn said the other day, and this is no offense to Anthony Swarzak, but they're looking right now in terms of, like, relief. 
for the next Anthony Swarzak, which is actually a comment to Anthony Swarzak. Yeah, it is. A guy they can bring in either on a small contract or a non-roster invite minor league deal and turn into one year later a two-year, $14 million signing for the New York Mets. So instead of going, you know, big bucks for the free agent relievers or free agent starters, they're looking for fits right now that can help them move forward. It's a nice little presentation to be able to make if you're Rick Hahn. Hey, take a look at a couple sure. of relievers that we brought in and then made them a bunch of money going out. It's, uh, it's not a bad you, pitch You know, at all. Connor, I mean, options are, I mean, chances are there. If you're, if you're a reliever for the White Sox, there are some young, untested arms down there. So if you're a veteran, if you can, you know, do what Swarzak did last year, what Tommy Canely, who's not really a veteran, but more veteran than a lot of the younger guys they yeah. had, if you can step up and produce, there, there's a chance you're going to be pitching for a contender before the season's over. Swarzak, you know, with Milwaukee, Canely played a huge role. I mean, we watched him. He was oh, great absolutely. in the playoffs the Yankees. You know, I mean, so, and, and, you know, even David Robertson, who was there before the rebuild even started, is, is another example of a guy, you know, Dan Jennings. You know, if you produce as a veteran, on a rebuilding team, it, it only should be good for you in the future. Watching Robertson pitch as often as he did for the Yankees, had to for the Yankees in that playoff run, was really something special. Um, let me circle yeah, back on the, the three sc- innings. You, you, know, you didn't see that too often from, from a closing. No, not even a little bit. I mean, back-to-back days were sometimes, wow, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Scott Boris on Carlos Rodon, you, you mentioned it briefly there, but I want to swing back on, on Carlos. Is there an expectation then yet, or am I kind of putting cart before horse, that he will indeed throw in spring training? I mean, where is, I suppose, uh, the timetable at from Boris's people and from the White Sox? There's no timetable time set by anyone except for the fact that, you know, he is checking off the boxes during this rehab right now in the offseason. And everything Rick has said is always pointed to, we won't know until he throws in spring training. So he's going to throw in spring training. There's no question about it. It's just a question of, well, I mean, I guess there's you know a small question. Who knows what's going to happen between now and then? But from what they've said and the plans laid out, he will throw in spring training, and then from there, it's you know when is he ready? I, I would just knowing how the Sox go and knowing that this is again not supposed to be a contending season, you know why rush him? I would guess very small margin that he's going to be back for opening day. But you know that's fine. They they just want to be healthy and ready to continue on once he gets back. You know, kind of like. When they call up the a little different, but when they call up these guys from the minors, their goal is to have them ready enough where they don't have to go back, where they can really start their major league yeah. career and keep going. Rodon is only is the, the difference is, is an injury. They want him to be completely healthy and know that when he's out there, he's just like anyone else and ready to go. On uh, day two of the winter meetings, Mark, I, I think it was Ricky Renneria who had seen Luis Robert and had talked to you guys a little bit about what he'd seen. It was. Uh, Really kind of, uh, I don't know, stuff that keeps White Sox fans warm during the winter, Renteria's praise for Robert. Can you kind of characterize how uh, Renteria talked about that young prospect for the White Sox? Uh, crazy athletic ability. Okay. Just giving some examples of him getting out of the batter's back box down to first, chasing balls down in the outfield, looking like he didn't make great connection with the ball and then hitting it over the fence and, you know, left center against a pretty decent win. And just kind of a good kid, a good fit in the clubhouse. And it looks like, you know, he, his, his baseball skills are developing, too. So, again, you don't know anything really about him except for this information until you see him start playing. And he's going to be in the States this year. You know, he's going to be either with, what, Kannapolis or Winston-Salem to start the year. Yeah. So I think you're going to start getting a better understanding of what Luis Robert is about this year when he's facing other, you know, solid prospect competition as opposed to guys he's probably known a little bit. But you, it doesn't matter where he's playing. The kid is an amazing athlete, and it's just a question of, you know, getting the baseball knowledge as he goes. And I think he's also, I know he is, more advanced than a lot of these kids who come in from the international market. You know, look at a guy like a 
Mike Adolfo, who, Adolfo, excuse me, I combined both names there, <laughs> who's I think it is what fourth or fifth year with the organization and just kind of starting to click because he came in basically just off the showcase circuit and didn't have the experience. So that that's a plus in Robert's development also. Merck, appreciate it as always. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, enjoy the holiday season, and we will talk to you, I think, very soon. All right, Connor, sounds good. Thanks for having me. You got it. Scott Merkin of MLB.com. You can find his stuff on Twitter, at Scott Merkin, just the way it sounds, or you can just head over to MLB.com slash White Sox and get your fix there. You can also give the perfect gift for the biggest Sox fan in your life during the fan experience sale. Experiences include on-field access during batting practice. You can change the base and more. All experiences include game tickets and VIP perks. For more information, call 312-674-5396 or email SoxExperience at WhiteSox.MLB.com today. Coming up after the break, we are going to exercise our executive privilege and futz with the timeline a bit on our season review preview series. We've been doing this all off season long. And, you know, I told you, I think last week we talked about it some, that if, you know, news came out during the winter meetings and there was certainly news to discuss as it pertained to the White Sox, we might have to shift a few things around. We're at right field right now, which obviously includes Avi Garcia, the White Sox all-star from last year, Aloy Jimenez, one of the top prospects in baseball and, a bunch of real interesting White Sox prospects. Thing of it is, uh, we we talked with Mark. We wanted to get this Machado stuff done, so we're going to push right field to a later week. Instead, we're, we're still going to plug away at the review preview series, and we're going to go into the bullpen and take a look at who's there for the White Sox, who's in the minor leagues. Interestingly enough, a few guys who might factor in are still around. Nobody got taken from the White Sox in the Rule 5 draft. So that leads, you know, potentially a few more guys to surprise in spring training. And certainly there could be some offseason signings, too, that would help fill out the White Sox bullpen. So we will get into that pen in just a few minutes. We'll take a quick break here and be back with another part of the review preview series here on White Sox Weekly. You've got WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. Uh, in case, as we wrap up the show here, our final segment of the afternoon, in case you missed any part of our interview with Scott Merkin, we went in deep on the White Sox rumored to be making an offer of some regard for Manny Machado of the Orioles. We went in deep on the other things on the checklist for the White Sox with the winter meetings here this last week as well. You can head over to the website, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. That's WLSAM.com slash White Sox. And you can download all of our shows there, podcast them, and listen to them at your leisure whenever you like. Uh, I know a lot of people over the offseason have taken to downloading the podcast as opposed to, you know, it, it's Sunday. I, we understand. We do the show for anybody who wants to listen live. But, of course, the way we consume media these days is changing, and you've got the expanse of human knowledge right there in your hand in your smartphone, so you can use the smartphone to go ahead and download our expanse of White Sox knowledge here on White Sox Weekly and get up to date with anything that you missed. WLSAM.com slash White Sox. All our interviews are up there. As we mentioned before we hit the break, we're kind of shifting the playbook around some for the preview review series i know we had right field on the docket for today but with the news from the winter meetings and i I kind of expected this to happen 
I decided we'd get into the bullpen some instead. We'll do right field, don't worry. We'll get into uh, Avi Garcia, we'll get into Aloy Jimenez, and a couple other interesting guys who uh, might be roaming the top of the minors for the White Sox in right field. But for the most part, uh, we'll skip that for a later week, and we will deal with the bullpen here on this episode of the show. Now, the, the bullpen's been a really interesting thing this last year, right? I I was taken aback, awed, amazed, shocked, I guess, even, over the first month and a half of the season and just how effective, how absolutely shut down the White Sox bullpen was. Now, granted, those guys who were shut down were moved, right? Obviously, we're talking about David Robertson. We're talking about Tommy Canely. We're talking about Anthony Swarzak. Um, obviously, injuries to Jake Patrishka and Nate Jones. And Zach Putnam really changed the way that bullpen had to work. And perhaps, if not for injuries to Putnam and to Patrishka, you wouldn't have had guys like Tommy Canely come up and find that success. You wouldn't have had Anthony Swarzak have to pitch in as high leverage innings as he ended up pitching in. Even Dan Jennings did a really nice job uh, left-handed out of the bullpen before being traded to Tampa Bay for Casey Gillespie, uh, former first-rounder. So there were a lot of guys that threw fairly well last season for the White Sox, and the vast majority of those guys have either moved on in the case of trades, Robertson, Swarzak, Jennings, Canley, or injury. Uh, with Zach Putnam and Jake Patrishka. Jake Patrishka was non-tendered, in fact, so he will not be coming back for the White Sox this next season, or at least not under the deal he was previously on. That's not to say that there aren't some interesting arms that are in the bullpen mechs. I think I want to start now, and, and we'll deal with some of this too when we get to the starters, but in case you missed it, and we talked with Scott Merkin a little bit about it too, Rick Hahn, the general manager of the ball club, mentioned over the winter meetings, that the idea now is to have Carson Fulmer in the rotation for the White Sox. Things can change, obviously, and perhaps you're able to sign a veteran arm that fits in a little bit better, a swing-type guy who can maybe give you a little space. But what that means is that the White Sox will have Giolito, Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, Carson Fulmer, James Shields, all in that rotation. Uh, Carlos Rodon comes back at some point. Perhaps you sign an arm, too. And, you know, we'll see how the rest of the rotation bounces out. But I thought for sure that we were when we'd be talking about the, the bullpen for 2018 that we'd have to give a little heavier nod to Carson Fulmer and his potential status in there. Sounds like that's not going to be the case, although I think that you know, you can put that many rookies in a rotation, de facto rookies into a rotation, and it might be that, you know, you have to scale back some innings, that you have to move some things around, and, and perhaps it's kind of a, I don't know, perhaps there's a hybrid hybrid role out there for some guys. That said, bullpen arms that exist in the system that figure to get the next real good nod coming into this year, I'm thinking of guys like Juan Manaya. I'm thinking of guys like Aaron Bummer. I'm thinking of guys like Nate Jones coming back and being healthy. I'm thinking perhaps even a guy like Jace Fry, who was in the Arizona Fall League, an all-star in the Arizona Fall League, in fact, that, that might figure into the bullpen some. But in looking back, and I guess we'll look back before we fully, before we look forward, I think you saw, as the White Sox really did put a hole through the bullpen, as Rick Hahn likes to say in trades, I think you did see clearly some growing pains. 
it was a really rough year for Chris Beck, who was non-tendered. It, David Holmberg had ups and downs. Kudos to the guy for starting and staying in as long as he could in some of his starts. But late in the season, his relief work was tough to tough to stomach. Uh, Gregory Infante stepped up through hard and in his you know age 29 into 30 season threw pretty well, all things considered. Juan Manaya earned the first save of his career. I don't know if you'll remember, but at one point there were only 17 saves in the White Sox bullpen, career saves in the White Sox bullpen, and 14 of those belonged to Jake Patrishka. So really there was a lack of experience in that pen. Mike Pelfrey was one of the guys thrown into the bullpen for a little while before coming back to start a handful of games late. Chris Volstad, same story there. The signing of Danny Farquhar, though, and that's a guy who I think brings more veteran experience, a little bit of trust from Ricky Renteria or or by Ricky Renteria to Danny Farquhar will be an interesting thing to watch. And while I can't tell you exactly you know, who's going to get the nod in the ninth inning if indeed the White Sox do decide to go to a closer, we've seen a couple of managers really at the winter meetings mention that they intend to not be bound by a de facto closer. We'll see if the White Sox follow similar suit or if they're more willing to give the nod to somebody. You figure if a guy like Nate Jones, if, if Nate Jones is, is healthy and ready to roll, then perhaps it makes sense to kind of, you know, give him that role and let him work and succeed in that. Uh, if not, perhaps you're able to go a little bit more matchup and the emergence of another left-hander like Jace Fry to go with another young one in Aaron Bummer kind of gives you some options there. Really, though, the focus of the bullpen is going to be, and perhaps we'll touch back on this when we get closer to spring training and Rick Hahn has made his moves, the front office wants to find, and even it was said at the winter meetings, wants to find the next Anthony Swarzak, wants to find the next Tommy Canely, and wants to give those opportunities, those innings to guys like that. Perhaps it will be a non-roster invitee. Perhaps it'll be a guy that you take a flyer on. Perhaps it'll be a guy like, I don't know, Rob Scahill. The White Sox recently signed him to a minor league free agent deal. Uh, Scahill worked for the Brewers the last handful of seasons. He was in AAA, bounced back and forth his age 30 year. Uh, maybe that's a guy you've, you've taken a flyer on. And with the ability the White Sox have to give innings to guys who are looking to prove themselves. This could be a really interesting free agent destination. As as we talked about with Merck earlier in the show, Scott Merck and MLB.com earlier in the show, it's a pretty interesting thing. It's a pretty it's a pretty good pitch for the White Sox to have Anthony Swarzak go on and sign a two year fourteen million dollar deal with the Mets just last week. Maybe that's something you can point to with relievers who might be jockeying between, I don't know, a team that's bordering on contention, somebody who wants that, you know, seventh inning platoon favored guy, something like that, versus a White Sox team that can hand you, I'm being a little bit simplistic about it, but can hand you an inning and say, this is yours. Get it done. Do with it what you can. Here's how we'll help you along the way. Here's how we think you can be a little bit like Anthony Swarzak. Tune some things up there. Throw in your Don Cooper magic cutter here. And voila, next season you've got a two-year $14 million deal. And maybe, perhaps, you're throwing for a contender late in the season. Rick Hahn's also made no bones about using the reliever market to try and make some later moves, to sign some Guys that you can, you know, take a chance on, as we've mentioned, but perhaps tune up and be able to turn around later on in the year. 
uh, we, we shuffled some things around to get to the Machado news and make sure that you were up to date on that. I, I'm sure we'll swing around to the bullpen again once the White Sox have done exactly that. That is going to do it, though, for us here on White Sox Weekly. Thank you so much for listening. Again, everything downloadable, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. Check out the podcast there. Thanks a bunch to Scott Merkin of MLB.com. He was down at the winter meetings and on the show with us to wrap it up for you. Thanks a ton to Merck. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll talk to you on Sunday, next Sunday. We'll have another show then, and we'll likely go down right field and continue our review preview series. We're looking forward to doing another oral history series as well, getting those things tuned up. And we'll talk a bit, too, about the new ambassadors for the White Sox. Jose Contreras, A.J. Pierzynski, and Tim Raines all signed on as ambassadors for the team. So I hope to see them around the ballpark. Hope to see you around the ballpark next year, and maybe we can all hang out with the new ambassadors for your Chicago White Sox. I'm Connor McKnight. Thanks again for listening. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. You've been listening to White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Listen every week for White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890, the proud home for White Sox baseball.